With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. So today is June 29th, 2015, at least here in Colorado, Tuesday your time. And we've got AC training number one. So AC, of course, is common for, you know, animal communication. And I'll utilize that a lot. It's just shorthand speech. Um, So the first thing I want to say to you, Alicia, is... Whenever people are drawn to taking an animal communication class, whether it be in person, and I know you've had a little bit of background there already, or even the one-on-one training, there is on some level within you, on some soul level, an aspect of you that is very ready for this work. I like to tell people like yourself that up front, so you can kind of let any doubts, concerns, and worries kind of go by the wayside because people drawn to this are drawn for a reason. You're ready. The nice thing is our souls don't tease us regarding, you know, hanging a carrot in front of our nose like, oh, that's a great thing to learn, but you can't learn it. If you're attracted to this, it's because you've got the skill and ability. And all we're doing is just bringing that up more to the surface level, okay? Yeah. Awesome. So let's start out with a guided meditation. So I'm going to have both you and myself go ahead and take it a deep breath and close our eyes. It's important when doing communication work that we be nice and centered and that we be present. So let's get us get ourselves to that space. So with a deep breath and an exhale, I want you to bring your energy, which is within your body, towards the center of your heart. Your energy, of course, is within your entire body itself. However, I want you to bring your focus or your awareness, if you will, towards the center of your heart, where much of your energy resides. A lot of animal communicators use the term, use doing heart work when we are doing animal communication. When we're doing this work, we're in reality doing telepathy with the animals, with nature, with whomever you're communicating with, from all aspects of our body, from all aspects of our energy field, but a lot of it's very heart-based. And when we bring our awareness back to our heart, it allows us to most easily focus and generally to be in a space of being centered and present, which is so key to making hearing the animals as easy as it can be. So just feel your center core and just invite some of your own energy to, through your imagination, to move down through the soles of your feet, to enter into the earth, and allow some of your own energy to wrap around the core of the earth. Just gently allow yourself to be tethered and supported by the earth, who is a conscious being. Many Aborigine people and Native Americans have the great awareness that all life has consciousness, whether it be the earth, animals, mountains, lakes, and of course humans. So just feeling your connection to the earth, if it feels right for you, make it your intention silently to allow the earth to support you in your communication skills. 
growth and in all aspects of this worth from this point on forward. We chose, you and I chose to incarnate on this planet and so we are very connected to her. This is just a meditation that reminds you that you are connected with her as well as all life everywhere. And now I just want you to bring some of your energy, bring your awareness, I should say, back into your core of your body, there in your heart space. And just sit for a few seconds in silence and feel your own energy within your body. Some people think that the energy within us, the aura, is held within the body as if the body was a capsule. Others have the point of view that it's actually outside of our bodies and that our bodies are within our energy field, which is more of what I personally experience. So just know that you're made up of energy. Telepathy is an energetic language, and so you're actually already prepared and pre-wired to utilize the energy within you to be aware of the energy of other beings. Telepathy is just the sending back and forth of energy, specifically sending back and forth of thoughts, ideas, feelings, concepts, and it's actually very easy to do. So with another deep breath, go ahead and open up your eyes. And know that Alicia, at any point now or in the future, whether you're working with me or you know on your own doing some practice, if you find it helpful to take a few deep breaths to get yourself centered and present, by all means do so, or even incorporate adding that little guided meditation. I do guided meditations for myself personally every now and then when I feel like I really need to get myself back to focus before I communicate with an animal. If I already feel like, you know, I'm calm, I'm relaxed, both physically, mentally, and emotionally, then I don't always do the guided meditation. So do what feels right for you, but know that it's a tool that you can access if you desire to. Is it good, do you think, to have to meditate every day? Is that important, do you think? Or? You know, I have found that it's not required or necessary or no important. It's not important in order for you to do animal communication work. Now, what I'll tell you is when I first took my first beginning communication class, I could not meditate to save my life. Yeah, so it's actually, I attract a lot of students who are, who are in the same boat as I was. And I can tell you the awesome thing is I was far better at communicating with the animals right from the get-go than I was in meditation, which, yes, did improve for me. About, about a year or a year and a half later, after I started doing the communication, I found my mind was easier to keep quiet for long lengths of time, which is what my definition of meditation is. Yeah. So don't worry about it if you're not there. And then I've met other students who come to me saying, wow, learning animal communication is so easy, but it, I think it's because I've been meditating. And I just, you know, point out to everybody, every, there are, you know, hundreds of roads to, to Rome, and we all have different paths and different walks. And, you know, we're all, you've already got the gear, Alicia, because you're here, you showed up to this learning. So don't worry about it. <laughs> all right. So um, I want to talk about being present and centered. So being centered to me means focusing on, if you focus on the center part of your body, you're bringing your awareness 
to you. You're not putting your awareness outside you. You're not being distracted by, you know, workers outside the home who are making banging noises or the horse that's neighing a barn over when in, when in this moment you're supposed to be communicating with a cat in front of you. You're, in other words, remaining present and centered in such a way where you can maintain gentle focus on the animal that you're actually in communication with. The being present idea is quite simple too. It means that you're not letting your mind wander off to the past, nor to the future. In reality, the past is over and done with, and the future has yet to be, so it doesn't exist either. So past and future don't exist. All there is is the now. And as you know, or I'm sure have heard, animals are very much in the now so often. So we want to really allow them to be wonderful role models for us and to allow ourselves to be in the present, especially whenever we're in communication with them. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, definitely. Okay. So let's go ahead and take a look at the pointers to enhance interspecies telepathic communication, which was one of the documents, was a document that I attached to the email recently. Okay. And remind me, I know you said you had read a couple books, Pia's book. Um, did you read Animal Talk by Penelope Smith? No, I just put that online at my library, so I hope that I get that soon. Okay, okay, no worries. Well, this actually comes from that book of hers, and I'm going to go through through this because Penelope, back in the 1970s here in the USA, started teaching animal communication, and she's been doing this work her entire life. She never forgot this this work as a child. She grew up knowing how to do this, and she, for a long time, kind of thought that non-communicating humans had at least a basic idea of how to approach animals in learning to communicate. And what she discovered was her students, her first few classes in the 70s, um, it was like trying to teach them, you know, by her walking through mud. It was very difficult, in other words, for her to teach the students. And what she discovered was a lot of the core ideas that she had a belief system on did not exist at all in her students. So she was just not on the same page with them. They weren't on the same page with her. So what she ended up doing was channeling this information. These pointers are very much channeled from the divine. And she created these and she went over them at the start of every class, which is what I'm going to do as well, because I want you to look at them as a foundation to springboard from in learning communication. Okay? Me. All right, so number one reads, more than any other factor, your attitude towards animals influences how receptive you are to their communication and how willing they are to communicate to you. You want to respect and revere animals as fellow beings, different in physical form than you, but of the same spiritual essence and potential. If you approach animals with condescension, thinking they're inferior in intelligence, awareness, or substandard in any way, you limit your ability to perceive and understand them as they truly are. As you increasingly see and treat them as fellow intelligent beings, you allow them to express themselves more deeply and fully to you, and your relationship develops, matures, elevates, and expands. Focusing only on the biological aspect of an animal, while fascinating and wondrous in itself, can place you in the ruts of conventional notions and inhibit true seeing of the spiritual essence and wisdom behind the physical form. Admiring an animal's spiritual qualities such as sincerity, trust, love, devotion, appreciation, loyalty, empathy, kindness, honor, honesty, patience, integrity, humility, joy, unselfishness, and wisdom will help to transform your whole relationship 
enhancing the two-way communication and understanding between you. Be humble and receptive and allow animals to teach you. So just a, a couple thoughts, things that I've discovered along the way and things that are important for you to know is it's important when talking to an animal to let go of any preconceived notions you might have such as all thoroughbred horses are this way, all Doberman pinchers and German shepherds and pit bulls are this way, all Siamese cats are talkers. Um, I assume it's a kind of a around the world thing but at least here in the US there's a lot of hype around pit bulls for example. Yeah, the band in Victoria, it sucks. Okay, okay, good. So you have an understanding of, of that interesting yeah. point of view people have. So as a communicator, you want to just know that, you know what, it's a pit bull, but you know what, more so, it's a dog. Exactly, yeah. It's another being. And when we communicators go into a communication session, with, in the back of our mind approaching it, it's just another dog and I'm going to find out who this being is. Then we put ourselves in the best frame of mind, to, of mind to receive the information the animal has to share to us. If we enter a communication session with different preconceived beliefs or ideas such as, oh, that's a pit bull, and then, you know, we've got these ideas in our head about what pit bulls are like. Anything that dog says to you that does not jive with your belief system will probably not be heard. And that's because our human beliefs and ideas about other beings, and about ourselves, but about other beings in this case, actually forms a filter or a block that disallows us from receiving true, accurate information. So, how do you handle that? Do your best to always be a blank slate with every animal. You know, I look at it like, you know what, I've got a lot of knowledge about cats, for example, but when I start communicating with a, a new client's cat, I go into it kind of putting everything I know about cats by the wayside. I put it on a shelf. I can pick it up later and get all my ideas back. But in the meantime, I want to be as neutral energetically and in neutral in mindset when communicating with that animal so I can actually hear everything he and she has to say because that cat's beliefs and ideas may not jive with my own. And I really want to hear everything so I can really honor that animal and serve both the animal and the client. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, definitely, yeah. Okay. The other thing here, after number one, that's really important to mention, is you want to let go about what, what animals are doing with their behavior when you're in communication with them. You know, behavior is a wonderful thing, but a lot of communicators in the beginning uh, sometimes think or just kind of, you know, believe that what the animal's thinking in that moment and what their body language is presenting are in sync with each other. And I tell students, okay, you gotta let that idea go, and you might even wanna start by working with in-person animals with your eyes closed, just so you can kind of get out of the distraction of what their body's doing. And I like to point out the example, think of us humans, if you're sitting there washing dishes at the sink, are you focusing on washing every single dish and feeling all the water in your hands, or are you thinking about other things while doing that action? <laughs> yeah, and animals are just like that too. That grazing horse might be having um, a very in-depth conversation with the owl in the tree. You, you never know. So you just kind of let go of ideas, who they are, who you think they are, so that you can fully hear. All right, so we'll go on to number two. And if you have any questions along the way, just jump right in and let me know, okay? So number two says, believe in your own intuitive ability to give and receive telepathic communication. Don't invalidate your perception of impressions, images, or messages in any form. 
So number two is the idea of here's where a belief will actually serve us. Alicia, if you believe that you can communicate with animals, then the fact that you believe that opens the door to possibilities for you to do so. Have you ever heard the, the, the phrase, your thoughts create your reality? Yeah. Okay. Abraham, you know, Esther Jerry Hicks, they talk about that a lot as well as many other, you know, um, people along those lines. And it really is true. People who do not believe in animal communication, if they were to somehow force themselves, which they probably wouldn't, but force themselves to sit down and take a class, they probably wouldn't get very far. Um, if even being able to do it because you got to have that belief system or else you're you're you get in your own way and you create blocks my personal belief and experience in, in observing students and animals listening to what the animals say about us and their observations about us is that all beings on the planet are born with this ability the animals the humans were actually no different we are of the animal species we just happen to have two legs two arms and are you know oriented in more of a vertical way than many of our animal friends that are their bodies are more horizontal in the way they lay um, in reality though we are all energetically on a soul level similar in the sense that we all have free will we all have an individualness amongst us even though there's this connection to one another which you know many schools of thought call oneness we are in oneness with one another but amongst that oneness there is individuality um, and a human soul is no more evolved than a dog soul which is no more evolved than an ant soul so you kind of have to let go of any hierarchical teaching that you might have been taught in school I know here in the states they continue to teach the idea that animals with complex brains or big cerebellums, you know, are much more intelligent than, say, little ants that have little tiny nerves that come together for brains. And, you know, I've not discovered that's actually true. Intelligence is not based on brain design at all. It's uh, very individualistic. It's very uh, soul-based is where the intelligence comes from and what that animal's experienced or what that human's experienced in life up to that point. So in number two, believing in your own intuitive ability, it's important that you're willing to step outside the circle of who you think you are up to this point in time. If you think of a circle as representing everything you think you are, everything you think you know about animals, everything you think or don't think you know yet about animal communication, and you stand in the middle of that, you only know or think you know or know you don't know <laughs> so much. Our role or goal in doing animal communication work is to step outside the circle completely. We're not always going to know what it's going to look like. It's kind of like all bets off, you know, how it's going to sound. Um, you need to be really, to help you be most receptive to utilizing your own skill and really honing your skill, you got to be willing to be like, you know what, I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't know how it's going to sound and you know I know I've, I've gotten accurate animal communication information in the past and who knows maybe the next animal I speak with it's going to sound or feel or come through completely different and I'm okay with that because that puts you in a space of total openness. Does that make sense? Yeah it does. Yeah. Okay. Number three, be ready, receptive, mentally quiet and alert. If your mind is busy, full of thoughts and background static, you can't listen and receive. To get to this state may take considerable practice and changes in lifestyle. To get to this state may take considerable practice and changes in lifestyle. 
Avoid substances and environmental conditions that dull the mind or make it too agitated. Adopt habits that reduce stress and increase calmness, like balanced food, exercise, rest, yoga, meditation, spending quiet time with your animal friends, and out in nature. So for number three, with my own experience, when I first took my first animal communication class with my teacher, she offered us some suggestions on how we could slow down our pace in life and in order, well, slow down our pace in life in order to become more sensitive to that which was around us in the present moment. We humans often distract ourselves by thinking about, you know, where you got to be in five minutes or the dinner you're going to be cooking for somebody or the company you're going to have this weekend. Or we think about, you know, the past, you know, somebody said something to you five days ago and it's still bugging you. You know, we, we distract ourselves by going to the past or future, neither of which exist anymore or haven't arrived yet and when we do that we are not in the best energetic space to communicate with animals by slowing your pace in life you help to bring your mind your ego and your awareness back to the present of what's going on in the here and now and that is a wonderful tool to have in your toolbox and is something you can start cultivating right away as you continue to learn animal communication so what does that look like? It looks like perhaps altering some ways that you do things in life. So for instance, I would walk to the store after my first animal communication class, I would walk to the store very quickly from my car because I felt, you know, I, I felt time was valuable. I was always in a rush. So I started to slow down my pace and feel every step upon the earth and I could feel the earth reaching up to meet me, you know, as my bottom of my foot came in contact with the earth. And I'd never really walked in such a way where I felt the earth in contact with me. It was always the other way around. I was pounding, pounding as I was walking upon the earth rather than allowing her to support me. So I slowed my pace and I became more conscious of how I was walking. That slowed my body down, which slowed my mind, which made me more receptive to energy with time. I also turned off the TV, I listened to radio and the few movies that I watched on Netflix, um, just ones that made me feel good at the end. I no longer watched the news because I did not feel positive at the end of watching it. It was full of, at least here in the States, it's not very positive stuff they put on there. Okay, so it's the same. Um, a lot more water I started to drink because it's important for your body, which is, you know. Yeah, I've heard that. The, um, in the workshop I went to, she said it was really important to stay hydrated. Yes, it is, because your body runs on an electrical system. And your body is like a satellite that actually helps you in receiving the telepathic communication with animals. Now, of course, we don't have to have our bodies in order to be in telepathic communication with another. Beings without bodies can talk with beings without bodies all the time. Deceased loved ones can talk with deceased pets. We humans happen to have a body right now because we are incarnated. Okay, we humans that have bodies, we're incarnated. So we need to take care of our bodies kind of like as an an extra you know part of ourselves that we have to be careful with and love it and really honor and cherish it and give it good nutrition enough sleep enough exercise and just the amount right of water too because all of that serves the body and since our body is like a satellite dish that takes in all the information from the animals we're trying to communicate with if our satellite dish is in good working order it's gonna make it so much easier, 90% easier than when you're dehydrated or you're hungry and you try to communicate. Okay? Yeah. All right. Any questions so far? 
Um, no, it's just, yeah, definitely it's hard to get my mind, like, quiet, especially because I'm, like, a uni student and my life's all, like, busy and, yeah, yes. trying to set a time, like, a time at the end of each day maybe to just have quiet time and <laughs> battle the distractions. Right. And here's the nice thing about that. I started there too, and there's parts of my human day, you know, where I still go back to that mode. We humans were taught to think. We chose to be human, and part of being human is our challenge, <laughs> I suppose, to always um, try to be or try to cultivate silent or quiet time because our minds are always seemingly going, 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 chattering, chattering, chattering to us. You know, we're talking to ourselves, we're thinking to ourselves, we're picking up thoughts from other humans even that we think are our own, and without enough practice we assume there are thoughts because we, we haven't been trained enough to tell the subtle difference between our thoughts and another being's thoughts. Um, but yeah, certainly setting aside quiet time, but doing whatever, Alicia, you can do in your everyday actions that slows the action down and makes you more mindful. Okay, conscious, in other words, of what it is you're doing. If you are washing dishes, feel the soapy water. You know, feel the heat from the water. You know, that'll, that actually gives your mind something to do. You give the mind permission to be quiet long enough to sense the temperature of the water and the slipperiness of the feeling of the bubbles and the, the sound of the water cascading into the sink. You're allowing your body to utilize its other senses versus distracting you by thinking, thinking, thinking. So my point is, there are actually easy ways you can do this on a nearly regular basis. And if you can aim to do that three to five times a day where you're consciously like, oh, I'm going to the car, I'm going to put the key in the car, I'm going to be aware in this next two seconds of everything that I can be aware of as I insert my key into the car. That right there puts you in a different energetic position than you've ever been before. And your body's like, oh, she's becoming more aware of how it feels to use the key in the car and becoming aware of this and that and, oh, I'll help her. And it kind of invites your body to kind of wake up more, which we want because we want it to be a very wonderfully sensitive satellite dish. Are you, are you, do you understand the satellite dish concept? What's that? Is it about being really receptive? Yes, oh. it's about being receptive. Yeah. Satellite dishes, are you familiar with those at all? Yeah. Okay, okay, awesome. <laughs> um, so yeah. All right, number four. So we want to cultivate flexibility, a willingness to learn from all beings, and to change your ideas. Watch for judgments and preconceptions that limit receptivity to what the animal's really communicating. Be open to surprises, the unexpected. Let go of conventional notions of human and animal communication. Be ready for animals to communicate and question them on any level from what food they like, to what they can teach you to improve your life, to what they consider the most profound truths. So number four, it's important for you to relax your body physically whenever you do animal communication work because here's the thing, if you relax your body, that relaxes your mind, which relaxes your energy field, which automatically opens you up to utilizing your intuitive abilities. Your intuition, every human's intuition, is already there. It's kind of just kind of like running underground like water. It's running below the surface. And in order to become more aware of it and not allow it to really kind of come into our awareness at random times, but we want it to happen on a more regular basis, such as when we're practicing communication with animals, then you need to relax your physical body because that's huge in allowing it to bubble to the surface. 
Also in number four, let go of the idea that animal size and intelligence has any correlation. You know, that whales and dolphins are more intelligent than dogs, which are more intelligent than honeybees, which are more intelligent than worms crawling through the ground. Every being has its own level of awareness. All of them are unique, just like you and I are. You could have 10 humans standing in front of you, and there's going to be a different IQ scale for each of them. Everything from the simple-minded to, you know, the most complex, you know, Einstein, you know, really intelligent beings. It's the same for horses. 10 horses will be on that spectrum. 10 whales will be on that spectrum. Um, you know, different species tend to have an awareness or understanding about different concepts, for example, you want to talk to ants about harmony or cooperation, they will give you a slew of wisdom. But you probably don't want to go to an ant asking for financial advice because they probably don't know much about money. And, yeah. you know, we humans might just judge them as, well, they're dumb because they can't tell me anything about money. Well, no, it's just that what animals or certain species value differs amongst the species. Um, so it's just important, my point is, not to have any preconceived notions about intelligence. They are who they are, and as you talk with them, you'll discover where they are on the spectrum, which is nothing more than just an interesting mental note you can make. Yeah, I hate when there's like articles on the internet saying like the most intelligent animals. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, number five, you want to be emotionally peaceful. Having an emotional investment in what animals say to you or how they should be can influence what you receive. If you require the animals like you, or be affectionate before you can communicate with them, this can disturb them, block their true feelings or ideas, or cloud your receptiveness to them. In working with improving your two-way communication with animals, don't flood animals with emotion, whether it's love, fear, sadness, or anger. If you're putting out strong emotion, you're generally not receptive to anything else, and you'll get back only your own emotion or the animal's response to it. So this is huge to know about. I'm not saying don't love your dog, okay? What I'm saying here is there's a time and a place to love your pet, to love your animal, and there's a time and a place to be in communication with them. If you want to help yourself most easily hear the animals, then all you need to do, aside from physically relaxing your body, which relaxes your mind and energy and opens you up naturally to hearing them, is just know that being in a neutral, or in other words, peaceful, space energetically a peaceful mindset even puts you in the most receptive mode if you approach talking to an animal in a state of being angry or sad or even joyful to the point where it's so distracting of an emotion for you that you can't really hear them one you make your work more difficult with them you know than it has to be in hearing them and two for some animals especially shy animals or wildlife, you know, your emotional state, especially being fearful, say of, you know, a wild animal that's in front of you or even a tiny spider in front of you is not necessarily going to help that being to feel as relaxed and calm and communicating with you as you could help them be if you're in a neutral space. Okay. Does this make sense? Yeah, definitely, because it can definitely overcloud, yeah. Okay. Is that why it's more difficult to like um, communicate with your own animals as you have 
too much emotions involved. Yes, for a lot of people, that is what it is. We've got a lot of emotions. We we get a a lot of love, sometimes some worry about our pets, especially if there's something up with them with their bodies or their health. Um, So yes, that's exactly it. Whereas when we're in communication with an animal we don't know too well or never met or even a wild animal, oftentimes we don't have those you know, really strong ideas or emotions that we've had in the past regarding them. And so it's so much easier to be in a neutral state. But here's the key. You want to talk with your own animals? I know they want to talk with you. So how do you approach them? You get yourself as neutral as you can be, just like you would with an animal you know nothing about. If you can maintain that state of neutrality, you will hear your own. Okay. All right. Number six. Be alert and calm. Don't force the communication or try your try too hard. Notice your body posture and tension. Leaning forward over the animal, straining forehead or facial muscles, breathing shallowly, tightening hands, manipulating or controlling the animal. Those are things you don't want to do. Instead, you want to shift into the receptive mode. Lean back, open chest and hands, breathe slowly, deeply, relax and listen. So number six is just guidelines on what to do and not to do with your physical body. Remember how I said before, if you relax your physical body, everything else naturally unfolds and opens for you. Your intuition comes to the surface. Um, So that's what number six is talking about. Now for many people, leaning back, opening the chest and hands, breathing slowly, deeply, relaxing and listen is the way to help them relax physically. But I also like to say to people, you're an individual, you're unique, you're not like me, I'm not like you. So the way you position your body may be different than how another person does it. So sit in a way, stand in a way, work in a way, in an environment even, with animals that makes you feel physically comfortable. If I was doing communication at a barn for somebody's horse, and that horse was out in the pasture and we're looking at the horse from a distance, I would probably lean up against the fence or the side of a barn wall because I work with my eyes closed quite a bit, even to this day as a communicator. It helps me stay centered, present, and focused to do so. Um, I'll open my eyes now and then, but for the most part, that really serves me. The purpose of touching something in my physical environment with my body gives me a personal sense of safety. And if my body feels safe in the environment, then it it allows itself to relax. So that's one of the things I personally have to do in order to be relaxed. If I'm sitting at home working with a client by phone at a distance or, you know, doing the AC Facebook practice page, then all I need to do is just sit in a comfortable position, whether it be Indian style or with my feet upon the ground. Now, the whales did tell Penelope Smith to encourage first-time new beginner students to try out putting their feet upon the ground, touching the Mother Earth when they are first communicating with animals because it helps to remind them on an unconscious, unconscious level of their connection with all of life. Okay, so if you find that helps you, by all means do it. Okay, number seven, let communication assume its own form, whether it's feelings, images, impressions, thoughts, verbal messages, sounds, other sensations, or simply knowing. Get familiar with how you receive so you recognize it and let it and other avenues open up. Let the sense of meaning unfold by itself. Don't analyze, evaluate, or criticize. Remain innocent and non-judgmental. Accept what you get and acknowledge the communication. If in doubt, relax and ask again, but don't keep doubting and refusing to accept a communication impression or you build your own walls. 
Be willing to take risks. Don't be afraid to acknowledge whatever communication you get. Don't worry about what other people will think or even what you will think. That last sentence right there, again, is about inviting you to step outside the circle of what you know, what you think you know, and what you don't know. If you're willing to just hear anything and everything, even if it, you know, comes across as sounding really crazy or doesn't make sense, and you're willing to say that, what you got, that intuitive impression out loud, you are in the best position to do this work. We need to remain non-judgmental when we hear whatever we hear from the animals. Let me give you an example. So I was doing, this is a couple years ago, one of a couple of, actually I had three students that were practicing on the phone with me with uh, one of my cats. And I had them ask the cat, ask her where she came from. So in my thought process, I was thinking that question meant, you know, where did I acquire her? And that particular cat, I acquired her from an animal rescue group, from a shelter. And two of the three students ended up getting the information that she was from the stars, okay? Now, I said to the students, and one of them was like, okay, Danielle, I, this sounds so crazy, but I'm expecting, you know, an answer like you got her from a breeder or a shelter or a friend or you picked her up from the newspaper or, you know, is a kitten in a box. And I'm hearing, she keeps telling me she's from the stars. That student went into judgment of herself, but she was brave enough to say what to her was a crazy sounding answer, and she was right. So the very first time I picked up that kitten, who is you know now an adult cat, and I had asked her, what do you want to tell me about yourself? She had told me, I'm from the stars. I'm not from this planet. <laughs> so I, I, I knew where two of the three students were getting the answer from, and they were right. So just be willing to relay whatever intuitive impressions you get. Now, up to this point, Alicia, I know you've been doing, you've taken, you know, a class and you've got a little bit of training, you're down the Facebook page. How are you noticing that you're receiving intuitive impressions at this point? I think they're mainly pictures. Sometimes they're like, sounds like my inner voice, but the main problem with that is I can't differentiate if it's mine or the animal. Okay. Yeah. But okay. I think it's mainly images at the moment. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So what you'll find is as you continue to practice your skills, both with me outside of, you know, just our outside of our one-on-one classes, is that the very first sentence in number seven, you're going to start finding that the other intuitive channels that you have in you that are a part of you as a being will start to open up. So you've got feelings, images, impressions, thoughts, verbal messages, sounds, okay, or a sense of knowing. I liken it to like this. You've got your five basic senses you were probably taught in school. Sight, taste, touch, hear, and smell. In reality, your extrasensory um, perception, or here in the States often called ESP, um, all that is is just the higher levels of awareness of those five basic senses. So you're, you're mentioning you're already receiving pictures or images. That's awesome. What is that really? That's just the higher sensitivity of you receiving information, but what is it tied to? It's tied to the very basic sense of physical sight. So out there in existence, you can also start to receive, sure, thoughts and words and smells intuitively. And what else is there? There's feeling. Okay, so intuitive feelings or sensations in your body or emotional states. You can pick up emotions from animals as well. And intuitive taste. Okay, to taste hay, you know, when you're <laughs> working with a horse is pretty neat. To taste mold on hay is pretty distinct. To yeah. taste uh, a dog eating poop 
you know, when the owner's like, why does my dog eat poop? And, and to get information about that and you can taste the minerals or whatever it is that the dog happens to be after is pretty insightful. I mean, it offers a lot of information. And sure, the taste, for example, and the smell and the images, they're not as maybe crystal clear or as loud as our five basic senses, of course. And, and for that, I'm glad because I don't really want to taste outright poop in my mouth. <laughs> but my point is all those five channels exist within you. The ones that are coming through most strongest now images, it sounds like, it, that just means that that channel is at this time more wide open for you than the other channels are. But the other channels will um, open up wider as you practice. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Good. And there is not one better than the other. Images yeah. aren't any better than words, aren't any better than smells. So just embrace however it comes to you and know that it'll widen. All right. The more you practice this, the more that it repatterns you physically and energetically, which is why it's so important for as time allows. And I know we're all busy, but when you can, practicing you know, with people's pets that are open-minded to this, you know, on the Facebook page, etc. because even a little bit of three-minute practice here, you know, every few days or, or there will really help to show your mind, your ego, that this is becoming a better, more of a, a part of your everyday life, and it's becoming more of a norm or normal for you, and as a result, it becomes easier and easier. It's like learning to ride a bike or learning Japanese, learning a new language, in the beginning, it might be a little bit rocky, but after enough exposure to it, it actually starts to become pretty fluid. And I think what you'll find, um, this work is so much easier than learning most things that are out there because we're already pre-wired for it. We're just kind of blowing off the dust and strengthening our intuitive yeah. muscle. Okay, and number eight just reads, practice with a wide variety of animals in various situations. Step back from your normal routine and expectations and be willing to learn and discover and have fun. So do you have any questions at this point? Um, I probably, I think because I'm like, I've read so many different kind of books and all these different pages, I'm getting a bit kind of confused on like kind of like a basic steps of like communicating with animals mm -hmm. uh, there's been times when I've, I've properly connected and I know I've got um things right but then there's other times it just ended up blank and I think at the moment I'm just kind of like all over the place just not sure what, like okay gotcha yeah. so I'm going to I'm not really start you from scratch but I'm going to remind you of some things that you probably have read in a few of the other books yeah, help. yeah. okay I'm just there's um, too many different things everywhere, and it's just kind of muddled with my mind. <laughs> gotcha. Then what I'll do is I'll walk you through uh, the way that I teach students, okay? So yeah. I will walk you through, yes, from the beginning. So that's going to move us into our exercise for today. Now, I sent you a photo of my black cat named Lyra. Yeah. Yep, so you'll want to bring that up if, if possible on your computer. Yes. So we're going to do an exercise where we're not actually going to do an animal communication dialogue with her. Although if it evolves into that, by all means, let it go. I want you to actually practice sensing energy. Now you have energy within you okay, and around you that's, that's you. And she has energy within her and around her that makes her her. And how do we become sensitive to energy? Well, simply by sensing the similarities and differences between it. So I'm going to invite you to do an exercise where 
I'll walk you through it. So you don't need pen or paper in front of you at the moment. Just take a look at Lyra just so you have a mental image of what she looks like. And then go ahead and take a deep breath and close your eyes. And as you take a deep breath, just bring your awareness, instead of being in your head or your mind or your brain where it often hangs out, bring it down like an elevator to rest in your heart space. So you just drop your awareness to your heart space. And I want you to notice your emotional state right now. It might be excitement, it might be joy or happiness, and I want you to do your best to make it into peace. Peace or neutrality is what we're looking for. So go ahead and cultivate that now. And now just broaden your awareness to feel your own energy within your body. Some people call this feeling your own soul, your own spirit, your own life force, so many names to it, your own aliveness, but I want you to feel you within your body. And now I want you still with your eyes closed to just shift your awareness from you feeling you to imagining seeing Lyra in front of you in your mind's eye. And I want you just to be aware of her energy within her body. You don't need to do anything with it. You don't need to talk to it or talk to her. I just want you to sense her energy. And allow the energy of Lyra to expand around you and to surround you completely. Allow it to immerse you and know that she she's a wonderful cat. She's living, she lives here with me. She's done this exercise many times and she welcomes you. And I want you to bring your awareness back to your own energy in your own body again and then bring it back to hers. And then tell me out loud what you sense, anything that you sense that's different between her energy and your own. Um, more brighter. Okay. And one more difference. Okay, so this is when you want to take a deep breath and drop and relax. So you went, you were telling me about brighter. Go back to that difference. And I want you to imagine you're going to a deeper layer of that awareness that she's brighter. And look underneath that. What else is there that makes her different energetically than you? peaceful. Okay, excellent. Good. So this is an example, Alicia, of you sensing her, of you being aware even of her. And I know you're aware of Lyra's energy because definitely she's a very peaceful individual. Okay, that describes her very well. And when I sense her energy compared to your energy, she does appear brighter to me. And now utilize your awareness and see if you can glean some information on what that brightness is really about. What's that about? Like a joy to be living. Okay, 
Excellent. So yeah, so you're going to be able to detect differences between different beings and those differences have bits of information in them. So what you just did, whether you realized it or not, and do keep your eyes closed because we're going to continue, is you sensed information about Lyra in Lyra's energy field. Okay, are you familiar with the concept of energy field or auras? A little bit, but not too much. Okay, so just in brief definition of an aura is the different layers of energy or energy fields around a living being. If that being did not have a body, those auras and energy field would still exist. The body just simply wouldn't be in the center of it. Within every being, within every being's energy field is information that one can tap into at any time you want in order to understand that being more or gather information or learn about that particular being. So let's see what other information is in Lyra's energy field. And this is all without directly communicating with her. Although again, if it evolves into that, fine, um, but it's not necessary. Now I can tell you, because she's done this exercise so many times, she is very aware of you being aware of her, okay? And she welcomes you again. So within the energy field, and remember, go with the first thing that comes to mind here, within her energy field, see if you can get a sense of her personality. Does she get stressed at something? It's like... Okay, like what? See if you can see what's underneath that piece of get stressed at things. Like sudden movements or big things that give her fright. Okay, yep, and that totally makes sense to me. Good. And what else is in her... Is it, How else would one describe her personality? Perky. Say it again. Perky. Perky. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it was the accent. Perky, yes. She indeed is perky. Very good. And what makes her perky at times? Food. Yes. Comes home. Okay, definitely food. That makes her very happy. She's a very food-motivated individual. And what was the other? When someone comes home. Okay, yeah. She is a cat that often will greet me at the door. Okay. Very good. And as far as her personality goes, as far as how self-assured or timid or anywhere on that, that spectrum, how, how self-assured or confident or timid or where, where is she regarding showing up in the world? I think that she's kind of in the middle. She's relatively confident, but she can get, can get a bit scared at certain things. Okay, good. Very good. So yes, I would call her confident as well. And it's funny that you mentioned the <laughs> getting scared at certain things because um, 10 minutes before I was on the call, I accidentally dropped, I was in the bathroom cleaning something and I accidentally knocked a plate that I had in my <laughs> other hand to the floor and it clattered and she was right in the doorway of the bathroom and it hit the tile floor and she freaked oh, out. So interesting that she mentions things that stress her out. <laughs> Good. All right. So as far as her job or role in this household, what information do you sense in her energy field regarding that? Um, to look after you and to keep the other animals at bay. 
Okay, to look after me, absolutely. She does take good care of me, takes care of me. Um, keeping the other animals at bay. See what information is underneath that to see if you can expand upon it. Um, maybe otherwise the other animals will take over the house. Okay, okay, good. So Lyra likes to have peace in the house, peace and calmness. And she doesn't really have much patience when it's not peace and calm, which, you know, I mean, almost all the time it is anyway. Um, but yes, this makes sense. Good. And go ahead and see if you can sense within her energy field where she likes to lay down and rest in the house. Good, that's definitely one of them. So she's got this cat tree that has two round, um, they're, they're different heights. One is close to the ground and one is about my waist height and she's in it all the time. Good, and see where else, cause she has multiple spots around the house. So see what else you can sense. kind of like tight spaces. Okay, absolutely. She does do that. You know. Mm-hmm. She does do tight spaces. Good. And where what room or rooms does she have a preference for spending her time in? The main bedroom. Yes, very good. And another favorite room? Does she like the living room looking outside? You got it. Okay, so I, I live in a two-bath, two-bedroom condo um, with a dining room and, of course, a kitchen and ba bathrooms. And she does spend most of her time in the master bedroom, which is the first piece you got. And the second, you know, other 50% of the time she spends is in the living room. So well done. Okay. So uh, let's see. As far as toys, her preference. Is it like a blue kind of like softish mousey or something? I have a green soft mouse. Maybe it's that. So what I find is colors, for me anyway, uh, and everybody's different here, don't always come through true, but I definitely have seen her interact with a greenish soft. It's like a little catnip mouse. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yep. And see what else she likes toy-wise. Do you have any of like those plastic balls that have like those little bells in them? Yes, I do. It's like got uh, um the hollow cage look to it. Yeah. Yes, indeed, and she likes those too. Good. And see if you can get one more. Does she have like a big soft toy? She does, yes. There is a big, uh, two of them actually. There is a bone-shaped one that's a stuffed animal and it's, it's kind of got like fake um, fleece on the outside so it's tan color. And the other is a big long hot dog-shaped toy mouse that is like half her body length. Um, and it's a kicker toy. She sticks it between her legs and she kicks it. Good. So ask her how she feels about the wand toy with a feather on the end. How she feel about that? It makes her go crazy. Yes. Yeah. 
your pupils dilate and good and how does she move how does she move good you're right how does she move her body with it she kind of sticks her bum out like up and kind of charges at it yes good now show her the image of a laser light toy a little red dot on the floor moving around and how does she respond to that she kind of like like waits and then pounces like she watches it for a bit and then just jumps and tries to grab it okay good now which of the toys the laser light or the wand toy with the feather at the end is she more interactive with physically Big time. Good. Yeah. And get a sense within her energy field. How much or how hard does she want to work to get that laser light? I think to point she does, but like not as much because she can't actually grab it. Good. Yes. The most she'll do with that is really, um, she'll watch it intently. She loves watching it. Yeah. And if it comes near, (laughs) yes, yes. And she'll use her paws on it, but she's not going to run all over the house chasing it. You know, that's just not her. She can't actually like physically grab it. (laughs) Correct. You got it. Good. So ask her, what are her favorite activities in a given day? Eating. Yes. Um, looking down on the dogs. Okay, good, yes. Uh, seeing you when you get home. Okay, good. Good, so all those are correct. Looking down at the dogs was something she was doing just an hour ago. She was laying on the coffee room table in the living room, coffee table. And, you know, the the dogs we all have, I have, are all little. And, you know, they're below, they're they're less than the height of the coffee table. So she was indeed looking down at them. So good. Okay. So within her energy field, and I really want you to feel the energy. Within the energy field, get a sense of how she feels about her life living here. Is she a happy cat, unhappy cat, something else? very happy she's given good food and she loves her owners yes although it can get a bit annoying sometimes with the dogs yes and this is an answer she shares with students all the time (laughs) that is correct yeah the dogs can be an annoyance to her upon occasion so yep she's told me that i've seen her react and respond when they're annoying to her yes good and you're correct about owners it's myself and brandon my boyfriend shares living space here Um, in the home. It's just the two of us humans. So very good. So there's a dog. um, There's three little, uh, four, four dogs currently in the house because I have a foster dog too. So um, Tyler is my tan little chihuahua. Ask her how she feels about Tyler. She likes Tyler a little bit better than the others. Okay. And sometimes we'll sit down with Tyler. Okay. Yep, that's true. She does indeed like Tyler. Um, I can't confirm if she likes him better than the others, because uh, there is another dog she likes very much too. Um, yes, yeah, she will sit beside him, near him. All that's very comfortable. So get a sense within her energy. What does Tyler sometimes do that she really is not keen on? Um, 
too close into her like space. Yes, good. And in what ways does Tyler sometimes move his body that she doesn't like, she gets annoyed with? Does he put his like face a little bit too close to hers? Mm, not too much, no. So go back and, and re-look. Re Yes. Around her and kind of knock her or just get like too much. Yes. He gets too active, too bouncy. She complains about his bounciness now and then. He's very much like a little mini kangaroo. He's here yes. and there and everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and um, for her, if he's near her body at that point, it makes her feel uncomfortable. It disrupts her mental state of peace and she usually leaves the scene. <laughs> <laughs> good. Now, there's another dog in the house named Tater, who is, he's a, a little terrier mix, and he is all brown. He is only a little bit taller and stouter than Tyler. Ask her how she feels about Tater. He smells a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And how does she feel about him as far as uh, relationship goes, her relationship with him? Okay, good. And why? Not as annoying. <laughs> okay, good. So he's not as annoying. What about the... quieter. Yes. Yes, you got it. She, um, she really, really likes Tater quite a bit. Um, he is very aware of his body and space relative to hers. In other words, he doesn't do the bouncy, you know, here and there and everywhere that Tyler does. Um, she likes Tyler very much too, though. Um, but you're right. She likes him. He's calm and he's comfortable and quiet. <laughs> Good. All right. So one last one. Get a sense of her relationship with another cat that lives in the house who's a brown female tiger, 14 years old, named Eliza. Yes. of the house. Yes, they do. Not, like, the, like, she's nice to her, but they're not kind of like best friends and we like sleep together all the time. But. Excellent. Very good description. That's accurate, Alicia. So there are four cats that live in the household. Three are mine and one is my boyfriend's and Elias is my cat. And Lyra and her have just kind of never really seen eye to eye. They are neutral towards each other. They're kind of like roommates who really, they're not close friends, not best friends, but they don't hate or dislike each other either. They just kind of share space and walk around each other. Okay, so good. So the way that you describe the concept is indeed accurate. Definitely not close friends, not best friends. And they do, they're, they coexist. Very good. All right, so go ahead and thank Eliza, or excuse me, thank Lyra. And you can open up your eyes. So how did you find that exercise for you? What, what are your observations? Just any thoughts that come to mind regarding um, it? It was really interesting. Like when I was like, um, trying to get a, like a feeling of her personality, like I suddenly felt like my body felt like really stressed. 
when I was about her, when her getting scared about like n- loud noises and kind of things dropping in front of her. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know my buddy just felt something felt really stressed. <laughs> okay. Now, did that stress last through the entire exercise? No, it stopped afterwards. Okay, cool. Did you even notice when it stopped, or did you, did it just not be there and you forgot to even notice it anymore? No, it did kind of stop when I was thinking on other things. I just didn't feel stressed anymore. It was just kind of like that one mic moment. Okay, okay. All right, no worries. And it could be because you were doing the first question of the first exercise of the first time for us walk, you know, working together, so that could have been it. Um, but even when you get stressed, so how do you handle that? My advice, take a deep breath and just continue. Yeah, it's kind of like it was, I felt like it was her stress, like, from being stressy about, like, kind of loud noises. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I got you now. <laughs> I got you. Thank you, for, thank you for clarifying. Okay, yeah, so you were perceiving her emotional stress yeah. versus it being your own. Oh, okay, I understand. No, I <laughs> okay, well, kudos to you and good job for feeling that. So there's an example of feeling a, an emotion from an animal. Excellent. Um, as far as sensing her own energy compared to your energy, could you tell there was a difference between you and her and her and you? Yeah, she felt kind of like a lot more like lighter and kind of like very more happy, like peaceful and contentful to life. Excellent. By doing, and I'll encourage you throughout the week, now I I did, you know, I I gave you access to the page so you can do week one homework, you know, if if you want. I I leave it up to students. I won't, you know, hound you for that, but it's something if it feels right, go ahead and do. Um, Also, I give you the second um, idea of if you want to continue during this next week before we meet again next time to practicing sensing the energy of animals do repeat that exercise with one of your own or a wild animal or a picture of an animal in a magazine or online and always start with yourself feel your own energy that just helps you be centered and present and then sense the energy of the animal and remember you don't have to go into a communication session with them Um, you don't have to dialogue with them but what that'll do is that continued practice of sensing your energy, their energy, and noticing the differences or similarities even will help you become more sensitive to sensing energy, which is ideal because animal communication is about sensing energy, whether it be an energy that arrives in the form of a thought or of an image or of, you know, an emotion from an animal. You know, it's just all, all those intuitive impressions we receive, they're just in the general form of energy so sensing energy is going to be huge (laughs) in helping you to become more fluid in this work does that make sense yeah yeah thank you yeah you're welcome and also one of the most common things people say in the beginning of learning this is how do i recognize the difference between my own thoughts and the thoughts of an animal Okay. The answer to that is you become practiced enough, and it does take practice to get there, which allows you to become sensitive enough to telling the difference between your own thoughts and an animal's thoughts. Because in reality, they, sen- they feel different. They sound different. There's a different vibration to them. But how do you, you know, start to cultivate that your own sensitivity in perceiving the difference? Doing an exercise like I just showed you. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Um, I just had, like, one question. Okay. Um, some animal communicators, they say, like, you have to call in, like, protection and everything before you do a communication. Yeah. Is that necessary? Um, it depends on your belief system. If you believe yeah. there are things out there that are going to get you um, or harm you or you know if you really have a fear there then by all means do the white circle of light around you or whatever you know 
calling yeah, your ages. I didn't, really, I didn't really do like worry about any of that stuff, but I wasn't sure if it's like ethically or whatever. If you, you know, if you have to go through all those steps before you communicate. No, um, no, and I don't, I don't teach the protection thing. Yeah. Um, people who students who are attracted to me, they, they rarely ask about it, but I'm glad you are because it's it's good for people to at least consider. Um, in part, Alicia, because my belief system is I am so. Hmm, I so love uh, the divine wisdom. People, Some people call it God, universe, source, whatever you prefer to call it. I am so in aligned. I want to stay close to the light. And out of that desire within me, I therefore stay close to the light. Yeah, so, yeah. Thank so, you. Yeah, I just wanted to like, double check. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Um, with that said, that um, it's important as a communicator to know that, sure, there are energies that are out there that are not necessarily appropriate or desirable for us to engage in. Um, with that said, when I sense them, you know, I'll kind of back up from them energetically and be like, huh, what's that about? I don't go into fear because fear feeds those negative yeah. energies. Um, but rather I'll be like, okay, universe, what do I need to know about this? Oh, I, I, I shouldn't be, you know, uh, working with that particular individual or, you know, um, working in that particular, you know, group setting or environment or whatever it is. I just get information on it because, Alicia, just like you sensed Lyra's energy field, situations, people, environments even, you know, houses, hotels have an energy vibration to them just like Lyra does that you can actually tap into and sense anytime you want. It's a form of information. So... You can glean information. You can find out what's up. Oh, it doesn't suit me. I'm going to walk away. I have a, I'll have. i leave you with this thought. I have a friend of mine who is an amazing animal, animal medical intuitive. She only works with veterinarians these days. She, she mentors yeah. a few people, um, including myself. But she um, is has this, her only prayer that she really says is, God, make me as wise as an amoeba so that I know to move towards that which nurtures me and away from that which is toxic or dangerous. Okay. And it's, you know, her, her idea is she too likes to stay close to the light, you know, and she says, yeah. you know, really, if you stay close to the light, you are well protected anyway, and you don't have to do self-protection. Thank you. Yeah, that makes definitely sense. Yeah, because I didn't, I didn't think it was necessary, but I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Awesome. All right. We are set for today, unless you have any other thoughts, questions, comments. Bye. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. You have a great day. We'll talk again next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.